Welcome to the I Love Alt Mortgages podcast, brought to you by Home Trust. And now, your host, Brennan Trenuth. Hey everyone, Brennan here. And on this episode of I Love Alt Mortgages, I am joined by Elon Weintraub. Elon is a co-founder and director at Mortgage Outlet, and he leads his team with a customer-centric approach. In this episode, learn how a client meeting can be kind of like a doctor's appointment and how flawlessly knowing your client can help you avoid landmines later down the line in the mortgage process. Plus, learn what eight words he teaches all his new brokers for them to succeed in the industry. Hey everyone, Brennan Trenuth here from Home Trust. This is I Love Alt Mortgages. I'm here with Elon. Elon, thank you very much for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. That's awesome. Okay, so before we get into like the really heavy duty questions, I have a couple rapid fire questions that I want to ask you. Okay, they're very easy. So don't don't worry too much. So the first one is if someone was writing a book about you, what would the title be? That's an easy rapid fire question. Can I pass? <laughs> okay, go to the, ne- go to the circle, next one. I'll circle back to it. Go okay. to the next one. If you could OMG. Li- <laughs> if you could live anywhere else in the world, where would it be? Hawaii. Hawaii? Okay. Yeah. Why? just looks beautiful. I've actually never been there. Okay. Yeah. You got to go soon. Yeah. And third question is what superpower would you want? Oh, this is a topic of discussion at my dinner table all the time. Probably invisibility. Okay. And why invisibility? I just think it's the most practical superpower. Okay. Let's circle back to the first one. If someone was writing a book about you, what would the title be? Super awesome, dude. <laughs> All right. No, that's fine. That's a good answer. I would read that book. Okay. A book about a super awesome dude. Yeah, Why not? I mean, Why wouldn't you read that? Like, there you go. <laughs> okay. Let's get into the nitty gritty stuff. Are we here to talk about mortgages <laughs> or are we here to talk about random questions? Okay. I came here to talk about mortgages. We're going to get into the mortgage okay, questions. Okay. Thank and, you. And speaking about the mortgage industry. Thank you. We want to know, you know, why did you choose to start a career in the mortgage industry or how did you get to that point? Sure. It's actually a little bit of a long story, but it's an interesting story. So I have my real estate license. I've kind of had it as a side gig, just kind of on the side for many, many, many years. And my business partner, Sean Stillman, many years ago when I was kind of like just part-time realtor, you know, dabbling. So Sean and I went to high school together. Sean is an accountant. He's a CACPA. I said, Sean, I need a good mortgage broker to like refer my clients to. I don't really know anyone. You're very bright. You're a CACPA. You're entrepreneurial. Why don't you get your mortgage license? So he did. And I started referring clients to him and, you know, he's amazing. And he, you know, kept building up his business. And I was in the corporate world at the time. And eventually it got to the point where, you know, I just wanted the entrepreneurial opportunity and the freedom. And I actually really love the analytical part of mortgage brokering as well as the client service. So to me, often mortgages are a puzzle. And there isn't one clear solution. And to me, actually, one of the parts of my, you know, business and career that I love is solving that puzzle and unlocking that puzzle. And sometimes it's very easy. And other times it's actually very complex and layered. And it could literally take two, three, four mortgages to help the client achieve their goal. And I love that. Awesome. That's a great answer. So on top of your real estate experience. Yes. 
it's my understanding that you have a background in marketing and client services. Yes. So how do you think that shapes your outlook on your business? So I think it has a huge impact on my business. It's part of our culture. It's part of something that we all strive for at Mortgage Outlet. But I'll give you a very small, but I think important example. With my team and with the people around me, the way that I look at client service is I never want a client to call me and ask me the status of their file. And I actually look at that as there's actually a concept called customer effort. And if a client calls you and says, hey, Elon, what's going on with my file? That means they're stressed, they're unclear, there's friction, there's all these things. So what I guide my team on is we should always be one phone call ahead of our clients. Hey, you know what? We ordered the appraisal. The appraisers are really busy. It's going to take four days. The appraisal will be done on Wednesday. It'll be reported by Thursday and we'll have an update for you on Friday. The next step is we will call you on Friday. Mm. All of a sudden, the client understands what's going on. They're not calling me. They're not panicking. They know what's going on. And I'm preventing a phone call. To me, a phone call of that nature, of a status nature, is a fail. So I look at customer effort. I think one of my strengths is, frankly speaking, pushing back on lenders when they ask for stuff that I don't think they need. And I did work in lending for a while, and I'm not one to say like, oh, just fund it, just fund it. I understand compliance. I understand AML. I understand, you know, OSFI. I understand all these things. But sometimes, frankly speaking, underwriters over condition. And if I have all the docs from a client and there's a new doc that is marginal, I will push back and I, you know, try to coach my team to push back and say, we don't need this. Or if we need it, help me explain why we need it. Or is there another document that will satisfy the need? And if we have that document, I want to avoid customer effort. I want to avoid going back to the client and asking for more and more. So I think having that background and these metrics and these frameworks of, again, customer effort is a very big framework. When we get Google reviews and Facebook reviews and all that, whether it's me or Sean or you know many other agents and brokers in the company, we share that broadly. And the reason why is we all want to celebrate each other's great work, our dedication to our clients, you know, hey, this was a really tough file. You guys got it done. It was such a pleasure because that's the behavior and the outcome that we want to emulate. One thing I'm very passionate about is, you know, whether it's 10% of the time or whatever, I will tell the client, stay with your bank, stay with your lender. You have a good offer. I cannot beat it. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I say, sign that paperwork and run and don't even look at it, like run the other way because they've given you something that there's no way anyone can match and take it. So, you know, again, part of this customer culture is I'm not trying to get one commission and one thing. I want to be like, wow, Elon told me to take something. And again, even just like a few days ago, I had a big, you know, high net worth client. And literally I spent 30 minutes with them optimizing their current mortgages with zero business for me, but I cannot tell you how ecstatic they were. Yeah. And those are the types of things that we want and expect from ourselves and our agents. I think that's an interesting point that you made there is just that, you know, 
you're not going to try and keep pushing and pushing for something that you know that you can't get. And I think, you know, there's probably a lot of agents that are coming into the industry who are going to be very new and that's their mentality. They're going to want to try and get every single deal. So it's really important that you brought that up because, you know, you said you're not going to be able to get every single deal. You have to know when, you know, to kind of almost let that one go. Right. And push it back. And I think at the end of the day, you know, those clients will appreciate you know, that feedback from you and they'll thank you for that. You know what? Who knows? Maybe in turn, you'll get a referral from that or they'll come back to you down the line anyways. Right. Yeah. And frankly, I don't want to waste my time or my agents or brokers time because especially if there's something obvious, whether it's a massive IRD or some kind of thing that they won't be able to fund or change or whatever, like why not just nip it in the bud and Mm -hmm. say like, this is where you are, da, 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 like keep going and put it in my CRM and follow up. Absolutely. So I know that there's a lot of reward when it comes to the mortgage industry. You know, you have a lot of very satisfied clients, you make money. When you first started out in, you know, switching from real estate over into mortgage brokering, Mm. what were some of the challenges that you faced right off the hop? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, there were two very clear challenges. One is getting clients, like just flat out. And I would estimate for, you know, 70, 80, 90 plus percent of brokers and agents, like that's going to be their number one challenge is just like getting clients, getting clients. The other challenge was, is frankly, and you know, I've been in this industry a while and I think it's getting worse and better. And we could talk about what that means, but I think the complexity of the industry, like it's drinking from the fire hose and there's so much to know. And again, what I tell my agents and team and you know everyone around me is I think one of the biggest challenges with brokering is that largely your files need to be flawless and when I say that I mean you know there was one deposit in the down payment or there was one pay stub that didn't tie in or there was one bureau hit that you didn't notice it will you know, eventually probably get flagged and it could cause a blow up. And that's very, very difficult. So, you know, understanding all these, I call them landmines and like literally walking across a field and like, oh, they have a rental property and it's not declared on their T1, but it was rented to their mother, but their mother, like you miss one little tiny thing. And it's a very, very complex thing. And the way I describe mortgage brokering is, I think the public perception, and I would even say 60, 70% of all agents and brokers, the perception is, what's your lowest rate? What's your lowest rate? What's your lowest rate? And the way that I look at brokering is you have an architect, you have a lawyer, a solicitor, you have, you know, a CACPA, and you have a mortgage broker. And that is the business that I'm in. I'm not in the, what's your lowest rate? I'm going to tell you what to do. I know more than you. And for me, it's very important to understand the client's ultimate needs to build out that strategy. You're not an order taker. If you're just taking orders, if the client says, I need a line of credit, and you're like doing the line of credit, I actually think you're failing as a broker. And you made a good point there too about the rate, right? So we see that every single day where it's just, you know, what's the best rate? What's the best rate? Yeah. It does really come down to the overall situation that the client's in. It's really about knowing your client too. And like you said, if you miss one piece of that puzzle, you know, things could happen down the road where it starts to, you know, go a little sideways, a little chaotic. And then you're left scrambling to get documentation from the client, piece things together. And that's why for us, we really stress the fact that you need to know your client, you need to know every detail about those clients. And also rate is only part of the equation, right? It's not the end all. It's we're here to help find a solution for those clients 
and they're a bee client, right? So they're coming to us. There's probably, you know, maybe high ratios, bruise credit, whatever the case is. There's a solution there, but we need to have those details in order to, you know, provide that solution, right? And that's why we yeah. ask so many questions up front because we want to make sure that the commitment we give to you is something that you can satisfy. Absolutely. And again, like there's so many examples of the client is, you know, what's your lowest rate? And that's not what they're trying to solve for. You know, they're trying to solve for, I want to buy another property or I want to give my kids money for their down payment or whatever it is, I need to consolidate my debt. And depending on how I'm feeling, I might say, well, my lowest rate is, you know, 1.2%, but I could actually get you $175,000 more money and do this and pay off your credit cards. And I actually spend a lot of time building charts and spreadsheets for my clients. And it's like, you know, again, I'm a big believer that you have to answer your client's question. And if you don't, you sound evasive and you sound like a salesperson. So I'm like, here is your scenario. Your lowest rate is 1.3%. Here is another option. You could go to an alternative lender like Home Trust. I'm going to pay off all your credit cards. I'm going to pay off your car loan. I'm going to put 50000 in your pocket for RSPs. You're going to lower your monthly payment. Your average interest rate the way you have it is, you know, 8.3%. The average interest rate, the way I have it is 4.2%, et cetera, et cetera. And they're like, oh, wow. Like I never thought of it this way. I like the solution, not what's your lowest rate. It is such a trap. It is very difficult for brokers and agents to understand. You're not an order taker. And again, I use a lot of analogies and we could you know, talk about that. My team kind of pokes fun at me for that, but you don't go to your doctor and say, I want a quadruple bypass surgery tomorrow. If you say that to your physician, they're going to say, cool, like that's not how I do business. That's not how I operate, you know, pun intended. But the doctor will say, oh, okay, tell me more about that. Well, when I run upstairs, I feel winded. And when I wake up in the morning, I feel this. And sometimes my vision is blurry. And, you know, I actually do look a lot to physicians and how they diagnose because it's kind of funny when I go to my physician, which I don't go that often, how are you feeling? I'm fine. And then they literally go through a checklist. How are your eyes? How's your nose? How's your breathing? How's your head? How's this? And it's like, you know what? I haven't been sleeping well lately, but my initial answer is, like, yeah, I'm fine. Like everything is great. And it's the same thing with mortgages. So you really need to understand your client, understand your client needs, and then sort of build out from there. You know what? That was a great analogy. I want to jump into more of that because I know that you have a few that I you want to share. I have a bunch of analogies. So let's let, do let, it. Let's hear them. And how does that like pertain to your business, right? With all these analogies. Yeah. So that that's, a, that's a great question. So one of the things going back to my point about customer effort is there's a lot of friction in the mortgage broker business. I actually think that's one of the biggest challenges right now is like, why do you need so many documents? So I'll go in through a couple of analogies, but the first one is I tell people, and again, there's kind of like two or three sets of buyers. The first set is sometimes my toughest clients is maybe kind of 40s, 50s, 60s year old. They've had several mortgages in the past and they're like, oh, I've never had to do this before. And, you know, it's like when you're going on vacation and you're going through the airport, you need to take off your belt. You need to take off your shoes. They're going to throw out your water. Does that make you safer? Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. But if you want to fly to Hawaii, 
you're taking off your belt, you're taking off your shoes, you're throwing out your water and like, let's get it done. So we can complain about taking off our belt and shoes and throwing out water, or we can like do it. We know it's coming, get it done and like focus on Hawaii. So the first thing is there's a lot of friction. Why do you need so many docks? I mean, the answer is financial crisis, airport analogy. And again, like I'm here to help you. That's why I do it. So that's one of my analogies. The other analogy that I give, and it kind of relates back to some of the other ideas we were discussing is I use a lot of car analogies. And what I tell people about a broker is, you know, sometimes you need a BMW. Sometimes you need a Kia. Sometimes you need a minivan. Sometimes you need a Ferrari. And my role is to understand everything about you so that I don't give you a Ferrari. And then three days later, you call me and you say, Elon, I'm doing carpool. I have six kids. Why did you give me a Ferrari? And I cannot tell you about a Ferrari and a minivan and all these things until I know that you've got six kids in your carpool. So that's why I ask a lot of questions. And I ask a lot of questions now, because if I don't ask these questions, the underwriter at the lender is going to ask. And if the underwriter at the lender doesn't ask, the manager is going to ask. And if the manager doesn't ask, the lawyer is going to ask. And the farther down we are, and the more something is a surprise, the worse it is. If the lawyer knows that there's some other property that I didn't know about, and there's three days before closing, that's a big problem. Oh, you're separated and I didn't know about it. That's a big problem. So that's why. So again, there's not a right answer. It's like you could have a BMW convertible and you can have a minivan and each one has its own purpose. It isn't that one is better or worse from the functional kind of point of view. So right. I use a lot of car analogies in that example. I don't know if that yeah, kind of resonates good. with you. It does. Um, well, I mean, it's really about KYC, knowing your client 100%. And, and any broker that's listening, make sure that you are asking your clients all the questions, even if ones they don't think is pertinent to that file, it might be. So ask it because you don't want anything to happen down the road. Sometimes I have clients, maybe they're non-residents, they have 50% down and they're like, Elon, like I'm buying a million dollar house with 500,000 down, like what's the deal? And it's not really an analogy, but just the situation is, you know, I'd rather have a brand new teacher and a brand new nurse with a job letter and a pay stub with 5% down than you from a foreign country with 50% down. Now, whether or not I think that makes sense or not, again, one of the things I tell my clients is there's the real world that I live in and you live in, and then there's the mortgage brokering world, which is what we're trying to achieve. And as soon as we start talking in the real world, now, again, alternative lenders like Home Trust are able to bend into the real world, but a lot of times, you know, it might cause problems looking at the real world. We are in the mortgage world now, and I'm telling you, I'd rather have 5% down with a job letter and pay stub. The way that mortgage brokering all intersects a lot of the things that we're talking about is it's not even enough to say, I want a Honda Accord. I want a Honda Accord EXR with winter tires. And that's how specific brokering is. Mm -hmm. And again, I coach my team and my clients. You must understand the client flawlessly. And when I ask my team about their files, I grill them 
And the reason I grill them is they need to know the answer to every question. Are they separated? Are they divorced? What's the payment? How old are the kids? Is there a rental property? Is it on the T1s? Are the bank deposits consistent? As soon as they say, I don't know, it's like, cool, I can't really talk to you anymore. Because again, a doctor, a physician, a professional is not going to go in and do surgery until they have an MRI, CAT scan, EKG, blood pressure, blood type, and everything else you need. It's a very good analogy. Thank you. I like that one. <laughs> okay, so I know that your brokerage has won numerous awards, including Mortgage Brokerage of the Year. Thank you, yes. What sets Mortgage Outlet apart from other successful brokerages? Okay, I mean, I don't want to brag. I'll give a few small things. I did talk about our philosophy and our approach, which is, you know, the customer centricity, but really that customer effort avoiding friction, pushing back on our lenders. Again, not in a bad way, but like in a good and respectful way. Mm -hmm. We really train our agents very intensely. And again, another analogy, the way I describe ourselves, you know, myself, Sean, some of the other leaders in our company is we're like personal trainers. If you never come to my gym, if you come to my gym twice a year, like why would you expect to get strong? Mm -hmm. So I tell people like, I'm a big boy, you're a big boy, you're a big girl. I'm not here to babysit you. I'm not here to hold your hand. If you're not going to put the effort in, if you're going to spend five minutes in it, as a personal trainer, as a personal coach, I cannot make you succeed. And I heard a really great saying in the last six months, you cannot push someone up a ladder. And if I want your success more than you want your success... I can't push you to be successful. If you're hungry and you want to succeed, I think that's one of the things that by far sets us apart is our commitment to our clients and our agents, personal training. You know, I call it a four pillar approach to training. So you come on board. And again, there's a very big difference if you're a brand new agent, if you're an agent migrating from maybe you've been at like RBC for five or 10 years and you're coming to the broker world or you're a seasoned mortgage broker and there's a very different style. But let's say for a new broker, the first thing is, hi, welcome. Here's a bunch of stuff to read and watch. I mean, if you want to read it and watch it, cool. If you don't, cool. Like I'm giving you the tools. You know, I love mortgage brokering. Go on I Love Mortgage Brokering and read it. It's an incredible resource Mm -hmm. for new and experienced agents. Like I read it. I learn all the time. There's so many wonderful agents on it. So that's step one. And like, again, you might read a lot or you might not. There's some fantastic books out there. That's the first pillar. The second one is we have lender meetings, usually one or two every week. And again, the analogy, BMW comes in one week, Ferrari comes in another week, Kia comes in another week, Home Trust, Scotia, whatever it is. And the goal there is you always need to learn what the new products are, what the trends are, what the lessons are from the BDM. So that's another pillar. So we have our reading material, our lenders and BDMs. Then we have an underwriting meeting which we literally underwrite files, sharing live files. So we all learn from each other and we all share. So those are like a couple of ways that, you know, we're really committed to, you know, training and pushing people. Yeah. And I think that's really important, 
especially when, you know, things are so competitive out there. You want your agents to be successful. You want them to have the tools, but you know, as new agents coming into the industry, you know, you need to have that drive as well. You need to seek out, you know, learning and reaching out to your BDMs. And I'll speak from all of us at Home Trust. you know, all of our BDMs are very approachable. So if anybody needs to reach out to a BDM and, you know, want to learn about Home Trust, you know, reach out to us, reach out to your principal broker. They'll set you up with a Home Trust BDM as well. And I'm going to shout out to John DeCastro because he's our BDM and I love John. So huge shout out to him as well. Perfect. Yeah. Let's talk about your specific business for a second. How much alternative and that can be, you know, be and private. Sure. How much, what was that percentage that your brokerage does on a yearly basis? Brokerage, I'd probably say 70%, you know, what I call, I mean, A, I don't like calling it A. And then, you know, the remainder is like alternative and private. Perfect. Yeah. What are the key differences that you think, you know, differentiate an A and a B client and how do you manage alternative client expectations because I know that can be pretty difficult when clients come in and they think that they're an A client but then you have to sit down with them and explain to them they are not an A client. So yeah so a lot of it is education and time and explaining to them you know are you familiar with the stress test have you heard of it you know sometimes these clients know that they're alternative clients. One of the funny examples that I say it flat out is you have a very good accountant and they usually laugh And I'm like, you're accountant and you write off so much stuff that you're not really showing a lot of money. Now, let's say we could go back in time for a couple of years, which we can't. And we could say, hey, we need a mortgage two years from now. Would you rather, you know, not write off all these things and get a slightly lower rate? Or would you write off everything that you need to write off and pay a slightly higher rate? And the answer is obvious. So, you know, we're looking at common sense lenders that understand your situation, that, you know, are willing to work with you on the substance of who you are and your income and your business, rather than, you know, just literally looking through documents with a microscope. Yeah, I think that was leading into my next question as well is kind of, you know, what key factors are you looking for in, you know, alternative lenders specifically when you're looking to send them a file? Like what makes you want to continue sending files to an alternative lender? Yeah, there's a few things. So the first thing is a very knowledgeable and responsive BDM. So again, shout out to John DeCastro. Thank you. And listen, this is the reality. And one of my best friends is a real estate lawyer. One of the challenges that I face as a broker is, you know, I get calls, text, emails, eight o'clock at night on a Saturday, you know, 9 a.m. on a Sunday. Like the line between kind of business and personal is totally blurred because of the pandemic in part and because of, like I just say, Uber, that people like click a button and they want a car there. Like people like press a button and they want a mortgage. And, you know, again, I'm going to be very, very frank. That's again, one of the things they like about us at Mortgage Outlet. If we call a BDM and we don't get a response quickly, we need to move on. And it's not that we need to move on. I know that if I don't call that client back today or that real estate agent back today, the real estate agent is moving on. And I work too hard to lose that client or to lose that. So the first thing, again, it's a funnel, right? It starts with a BDM responsive. Then again, third shout out to John. But one of the things I love about John is especially earlier on, he really helps me to 
like understand what the file is, what are the strengths of the file, what's the underwriter going to look for, what makes sense, how to make things go smoothly and gives me the comfort. And then again, on that call, I'm going to ask, what are your current turnaround times? Sometimes I know it's very, very urgent. That's going to be, you know, a consideration. Other times closing in three months, refi, whatever it is, more flexible. Sometimes if it's a tough deal, and I'm going to give a shout out to Home Trust, but I want a lender that will flex. I want a lender that I know, and again, from the BDM to underwriting, to underwriting management, and again, shout out to Rose, who's incredible. The relationship I have, and I know that this is a tough one, and we're going to be transparent. We're submitting it. These are the issues. These are the considerations. Having that trust that I know that people are backing me and I'm not sending it into the abyss and hoping things work out and whatever. One of the words I use, and I use home trust very specifically with this, is flexing. And home trust will look at, does this make sense? What's the story? How does it work? And like, we like this, we are going to work with you as a partner and look beyond a very simple checklist. Checklists are very important. I understand regulators and compliance and all those things, but that's one thing I definitely love about Home Trust is like from the beginning, from the first phone call all the way through to funding, like amazing. Yeah, I think we got to make a big shout out to our underwriting team yes. at Home Trust. Oh man, your underwriters are just phenomenal. They always like, look to find the right solution for those clients. Yes. You know, even if it's you know a bit more of a complex deal, right? They always try and work through it with the broker and the client to get that deal done. So big shout out to our underwriting team. Huge, huge. And what a tough year, you know, year, two years and beyond they've had. And like they're working with it and pushing through. So like massive, definitely. One addition to the question about like, how do we kind of look at an alternative lender? And I talked about, you know, the BDM and the response time and the underwriting and the flexing rate is kind of important. It's definitely not the most important thing, but obviously it has to be competitive. And after all of that is done, after we have the support and everything is ready to go, I'm going to say something very controversial here but commission actually matters to brokers. So is that the first thing? No. Is it the second thing? No. Is it the third thing? No. But if it's what I will call a fairly straightforward alternative file and one lender is offering me X and one lender is offering me X plus 20 or 30, like I will never put a commission ahead of any client need whatsoever. But if everything is, again, very similar, commission, commission, commission. Right now, whoever's listening to this is like, I mean, yeah, like commission matters. And I spoke with this earlier. I will send people back to their bank. I will tell them to renew. I will tell them, like, I cannot help you. But at the end of the day, like, if there are three options and they're all similar, if I have, you know, Honda, Mazda, Toyota, and Nissan, and they're all like pretty much same price, same satisfaction, like, yeah, I mean, let's do it. I mean, it's your livelihood too, yeah, right? You need yeah. to make a living as well. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Part but, in my no-nonsense approach. Which is great. It's very straightforward yes. as well, So, yes. which is really nice to hear. So thank you. I'm just wondering if there's a specific story, like a client story of a deal that you've done with us that maybe, you know, showcases you know, that lender partnership with yourself? Is there anything a little complex maybe that you've done recently with us? Or no, you know, maybe one of your agents in your office got a deal done recently with us that was, you know, a little bit more complex? So there was a few. You know, what's funny is this is a big surprise, but frankly speaking, 
some of the most job satisfaction I've ever had is sending files to Home Trust for refinances. To me, it's like completely counterintuitive. And the reason why is, and there is one person in particular, these people were just like drowning. They're dead everywhere, credit cards, financial stress, marital stress, and like, I took it all and it was hard for them to get documents and the underwriter worked with me and we got it all done and we simplified it and we took their average mortgage rate and we cut it down by 70% and we took their monthly payment and we massively cut it down and we reduced their stress. It's like, again, one of my analogies is people are treading water with a 40 pound knapsack on their back. And literally we've taken that knapsack off. Yeah, it's a huge relief. And again, these were like, you know, some people are very digital savvy, others aren't, it's easy for docs. And the underwriters worked with us and they understood what was going on and we got it funded. And just these people, again, you wouldn't think that like a refi to home trust would be one of the most rewarding funding scenarios that I've ever done, but they were so financially strained that I was stressed out right. and we cleaned it all up and the underwriters like just pushed and got it done. So huge shout out. Yeah, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. That's really awesome. What kind of culture do you think an alternative brokerage needs to be successful in this business? an alternative brokerage. Well, again, the way that I think of mortgage brokering, there's a couple things. So the first thing is, and I use this word very specifically, flawlessly understand the client. So whether it's alternative or A or private or commercial, like what's going on? Once you have that, then the next stage is, what are the scenarios? What are the charts? Should we give them a ELV at home trust? Should we just do a massive refi? What's the average interest rate? Are they in some sort of, you know, mortgage that they can't break? So flawlessly understanding it and then building those options. So I think that like that's how we start. And once we go down it, then we can present options and scenarios to clients and like, hey, we could do this at a bank and we could do this at a credit union and we could do this at an alternative lender and here are the advantages and disadvantages. And, you know, the minivan seats six people, but the Tesla has better fuel economy, but the Kia is really, really cheap. And, you know, I will provide a recommendation. Ultimately, again, and this is very important, it's the client's decision but I am not an order taker. If a client says to me, and as a matter of fact, I was just telling one of our top brokers this this morning, I had a client two days ago and they basically said, I'm not giving you an application documents. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. And that violates rule number one. And my rule number one is flawlessly understand the client. So I actually said to the client, I actually think you need to speak with another mortgage broker because I can't do it. So to me, it's going down this path of flawlessly understanding the client, you know, getting all the support, presenting options to, you know, the client, here's what we can do, you know, bank, credit union, alternative, this, that, maybe a second mortgage, maybe an ELV, blah, 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 blah. blah. And the client decides. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you, Elon, for coming in today and talking to us. That was a lot of knowledge well, there. thank you. Love the analogies. That's fantastic. I might thank actually you. have to steal a couple of those Go if you don't it. mind. Is there anything else that you wanted to say to you know the broker nation across Canada that might be listening right now? Oh, any, yeah, thank you. Any last piece of tip or advice, anything like that? Okay, I have many pillars and many analogies, but one of my 
little things, if you will, that I try to teach all of my, especially newer agents. I have three pillars and I try to keep this very simple and easy to remember as possible. The first one, application and documents. Because a lot of agents will come, oh, can you do this and can you do that? And then I'll entertain them. And again, this is something I learned from one of my sort of mentors. I will give everyone seven minutes. And in seven minutes, da-da-da, are they separated? Are they divorced? How many rental properties? And as soon as we get to an I don't know, I'm like, cool, we're done. Application and documents. So application and documents. Going back to the physician example, x-ray, MRI, CAT scan, EKG, application and documents. Application and documents. Very simple. I don't know any top broker that does not live by application and documents. Number two, it depends. Elon, can you do this? Can you do that? It depends. What's going on? Are they divorced? Are they separated? Is it on their T1s? How long have they been incorporated? It depends, which relates to application and documents. So those are kind of on the brokering side. And the third one is a little more on the sales, marketing, business planning, development. It's the Nike slogan, which is just do it. Don't wait for the perfect meeting and the perfect time. And I'm guilty of this. I'm very guilty of this. I want everything to be flawless. Don't aim for perfection. Get out there, make some mistakes and improve, but just do it. Just do it. So I have one, two, three, four, five, eight words, application and documents. It depends and just do it. Those are literally three massive lessons that I go by. Wow. That is fantastic. That's some great tips right there for Broker Nation listening to our podcast. Well, once again, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you for your continued support of Home Trust. We greatly appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of 2021. Hopefully it's very successful for you and best of luck in 2022. Thank you. It was my pleasure. Thanks so much. Perfect. Thank you. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering production. 